You're listening to the podcast without the pocket protector. This is Geek This Podcast. This podcast episode number twenty one. Um, as you might know, we are talking about Batman, the nineteen eighty nine. Um, would you call this a classic? It is. It is it's a classic. Almost twenty five years old. That makes me feel really young. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you guys, you have seen this movie. If you're listening to this, you have seen this movie, and. You know, we're going to we're going to break it down. We have we have dug deep into the history of this film um and brought some really cool facts kind of like we did in the last episode when we talked about Batman 1966. Um so let's go ahead and get started with where this film kind of started. When they started talking about doing this Batman movie um as basically kind of a a follow-up to the Superman movies that had come out at that time. Um it was 1980, and that was the very first draft of this movie. And they were originally going to base it off of Batman and Robin's origins. That was going to be the story. The Joker and the Penguin were going to be the villains. And I think they were even going to throw um, Barbara Gordon into it. And um, so it just kind of turned into this big mess. And after that... Um, they, Michael Uslan, who's one of the producers in the movie, uh, for the movie, he um, he started working on this project, and they decided because Pee Wee's Big Adventure was so huge that they were going to bring Tim Burton in on this movie. And I actually don't know why they thought of Tim Burton for Batman. Well, originally it was going to be sort of. Uh, the original script was more campy. Oh, okay. Uh, it was more towards kind of the similar style of the 66. Okay. Um, not quite as campy, uh, but for, from what I've read, it was very still that same sort of style. Okay. So I could see how they would want Tim Burton with that. Um, but yeah, I with what we got, I would have never imagined <laughs> Tim Burton. Absolutely. So... So, you know, long story short, the film was greenlit um, thanks to the success of Beetlejuice, which is Tim Burton's previous film, and on June 23rd, 1989, Batman was released to um, the public. And, like we said, it's directed by Tim Burton, stars Michael Keaton as Batman and Bruce Wayne, um, Jack Nicholson as the Joker, um, Kim Basinger, somebody on the special features said Kim Bassinger. And I wanted to smack him because she doesn't even say it that way. <laughs> um, so she played Vicki Vale. Robert Wool as Alexander Knox. Um, Michael Goff as Alfred. Billy D. Williams as Harvey Dent. And Pat Hingle as 
Commissioner Gordon and Jack Palance as um, the mob boss Carl Grissom. And that is actually a pretty long list, but there's a reason why I listed every single person. We're going to discuss these people later. Um, go ahead. <laughs> so they uh, they only had a budget of uh, $48 million, um, which when, when you compare it to the budget of the 1966 movie. It's about 48 <laughs> times bigger. 48 times bigger. <laughs> um, and... Um, they made quite a bit of money from this movie. It was very successful. Uh, the box office was about um, $411 million. Okay. So that's a lot of money compared to the $48 million budget. Right. Um, uh, it was actually the highest grossing uh, film based on a DC comic book until The Dark Knight came out in 2008. Which I believe. When you look at this movie, um, now, granted, I haven't seen this movie in a few years, but I always thought of this movie as kind of the, you know, I mean, obviously it's the first, like, dark um, Batman movie, because it's only the second Batman movie, and 66 wasn't dark. But when I look at this movie, there's still some camp to it. It's still... um, I've heard it said that it's the 1966 Batman movie, but filtered through Tim Burton. I mean, would you agree with that? A little bit. Okay. But, I mean, there was a little bit of campiness in it, in Jack Jack Nicholson's performance Mm -hmm. of the Joker, and then a little bit here and there in a, a couple other places... But it was real. It was really dark, especially when you do compare it to the the nineteen sixty six film. There was an on screen body count of fifty six people. Oh wow! Yeah, so I mean, if fifty six people die, <laughs> it's kind of a dark film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely dark. Um, but I guess I I looked at this movie a lot more critically than I did. Um, the last time I saw it, because obviously I wasn't going to be reviewing it, I was just watching it and just enjoying it for what it was. Um, but just kind of going back to the actors, um, let's just start with the the way that it's built. It's built with Jack Nicholson up front. Now uh, we were talking before we started recording just about how that was something that he demanded. That was part of his contract that he got top billing above Michael Keaton and raked in a whole lot of cash. Um, yeah, on top of the $6 million that he uh, demanded as just his contract fee, he also demanded to have a certain percentage of uh, the earnings from the film, which, as we said, was a lot. So he ended yeah. up getting what's estimated to be about $66 million. Um that's a lot of money. Absolutely. I, I mean, I don't know that... I mean, I've never seen even a million dollars in my lifetime so far. Um, but, I mean, it's not really for us to judge, but do you think he deserved the, the $66 million for his role as the Joker? I think he did a tremendous job. If he deserved the $66 million, I mean, that's not really for me to say. <laughs> right. I don't know what the rest of the cast got but um, really when you look at this film 
it really is sort of based around the Joker, mm-hmm. all, almost more than it is Batman. I think we see um, Jack Napier and, and the Joker in this film more than we see Batman. I think Jack has more on-screen time than Michael Keaton does. Easy. I would definitely agree with that. There's so much happening with the character of the Joker. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we we have two origin stories going on right here. Kind of. It's absolutely a Joker origin story. And then we get bits and pieces of of the Batman origin story. Which is really weird for this movie because it's not a sequel to Batman the movie. So with this being the first Batman movie, you almost expect for this to be an origin story, and it's not. Right, and when I watched this movie again, I'd almost forgotten that there wasn't really an origin in this movie. Because it's been a few years since I've seen it. Right. So when I watched it and I realized there was no origin, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they decided to do that because uh, they wanted to sort of have this movie be unlocking the mystery of Batman. Okay. Whereas as you're watching the movie, it's sort of like, oh, this is how Batman came to be and this is who that person of Batman is, not where you're watching it. And at the very beginning, you're like, oh, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And I guess I understand that. I just don't know how well it works in this movie. Because, like we said, it seems to be a Joker movie. I mean, that's that's all I kept thinking about it when I watched it earlier today, even. You know, I, I, I try and absorb as much of it before we record as possible. And that's all I kept thinking, was this is so much um, a Joker movie which it actually makes sense because Tim Burton says in Batman Returns like, some commentary that he is really interested in the villains and how the villains came to be. So it's kind of funny how he's using the Batman character as a way in to develop the villains more so than Batman. So um, so we've kind of, just briefly, we've skimmed over... Um, Jack Nicholson's Joker. Um, I love Jack Nicholson's Joker. Um, he's definitely channeling Cesar Romero in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the costume, the hair. I mean, obviously a lot of that is based off of the comics, but just his flamboyantness. His flamboyancy, is that, that's the word I want. Um, it's, just, it's very Cesar Romero. Um yeah, there's there's a point in the movie where they bust into this this art gallery mm-hmm. and they turn on this music and he's like dancing around and just like <laughs> throwing paint on top of these uh, pieces of art mm-hmm. uh, to ruin them and it really reminds me of sort of the feel. Yeah, you would expect Cesar Romero to do this in a Batman episode from the 60s. Um, but, I mean, as a, the, a lot of people, especially our age, would say, I love Jack Nicholson as a Joker, but he's not my favorite Joker. <laughs> but I feel like I'm almost obligated to say that. Um, 
what about Michael Keaton as as Batman? Because that's how we meet him first. We first meet him um, beating up a couple thugs on a rooftop uh, at the beginning of the movie. What do you think about him as Batman? I think he did an alright job as Batman. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he... I don't think bat this Batman movie was is his claim to fame as Batman. Right. I feel like Batman Returns is a much superior film. Okay. Uh, but in this, he is sort of coming to grasp with that character, and he is learning how to portray Batman. Yeah. So you can see the roots of. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I would agree that that in this film. That's where it kind of feels like an origin because he does a lot of getting shot and falling down, mm. but then getting him up and beating the tar out of people. Um, and one of the sites that I checked out, um, ComicsAlliance.com, they have like a whole written review about it, and that was their thing: is that's not Batman, you know that that's not Batman. But I'm sitting here going, well, let's say, I mean, yes, he's got all these gadgets, but you know what? If you have millions and billions of dollars to just throw around and you already know that you're gonna go be a crime fighter i mean i know i would start being like okay well i need a a bat plane built i need a batmobile built you know it makes sense but um but at the same time maybe he hasn't learned that fighting style that we see in the comics he's still you know maybe this is year two or year three not year one you know right um so yeah, he's not he's not a very strong Batman. I mean, he looks great in the Batman costume, but I still feel like he leaves a little bit to be desired as Bruce Wayne. Because um, he, he... I don't know. <laughs> uh, there's parts where he comes off as a jerk, which, no surprise, I mean, in, in a lot of comics, Bruce is a jerk, but it's more toward um, Robin or Nightwing or something like that. And this... You know, he's a jerk toward Vicky, who's supposed to be his love interest in the movie. I mean, she is, but he's just kind of a jerk, and he just kind of blows her off. And it doesn't feel like, I'm blowing you off because you're going to find out I'm Batman. It's, I'm just going to blow you off because I'm a jerk. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like to me. So, he's not an awful Bruce Wayne, but he's he doesn't have that, like, playboy, you know, millionaire, billionaire kind of thing going on that you kind of expect from Batman or from Bruce. Um let's see. Let's sticking with our main cast here. Uh what do you think of Kim Basinger as Vicky? Cuz Vicky Vale's not really like a strong character. Like she the only reason I remember Vicky Vale is this movie. You know, I don't remember her, her in any comics or anything. I know she's been mentioned, but um, what what do you think about Vicky? Honestly, for me, she's kind of an annoying character. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. She's very annoying in this movie. She screams a lot. She does. She screams a lot. Uh-huh. And now, at the littlest things. Yeah. Now, at the beginning of the movie, she comes off as kind of confident when she meets Knox. Um, at the beginning of the movie... She kind of comes off as confident. It's, that's what you expect. But then, like, super quick, she becomes damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. And, like, to the point where it's like, you know what? I don't know if I would have given her that 
that grapple to, you know, to, to save her when I dropped and fell on the car. I think I would have switched spots with her. <laughs> just, just to make the movie more fun. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know, other than being a love interest, what the point is for her in this movie. Yeah, there really isn't. <laughs> right, right. Um... What do you think about Alfred? Michael Goff is Alfred. Now, he is one of the only two actors to be in the Tim Burton films and the Joel Schumacher films. Right. uh, He and um, Pat Hingle, who plays Commissioner Gordon, are the only two to be in all four. Uh, I think he does a great job. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alfred, on the other hand... Letting her into the Batcave? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Man. He would have lost his job if I, if, I would be, if I were Bruce Wayne. I would have been like, you know what? Let her in here, and I'm going to show you both the door. <clears throat> but There's actually a line in Batman Returns about that. Mm-hmm. I think I remember that. Because uh, Bruce uh, mentions... Um, the girl mm-hmm. because she doesn't return in the, the second film and then he men- he has a line about Alfred letting people into the Batcave which is kind of funny <laughs> because that was one of the things that had a big outcry from the fanboys like Alfred wouldn't do that right right um, what about Billy D. Williams who is really only in the movie a total of not even ten minutes. He plays Harvey Dent. I love Billy T. Williams. Oh, he's Lando. How can you not like Billy D? Now, <laughs> if I if I was if I was uh, around when this movie came out, which I was, but I was like <laughs> less than a year old. If I was around and able to watch this in the theater, right. Then I would have been like, yes, that's awesome. Billy D. Williams is Harvey Dent, and he's going to be in another movie as Two-Face, and it doesn't happen. Right. Right. And why not? Why the heck not? I mean, seriously. I would actually like to see Billy D. Williams as Harvey. It might be a little weird, because he always seems to be like this really nice, you know, pat your... pat. Pat you on the back, kind of guy, like right. But Harvey Dent is sort of supposed to be that right. way. He he is this like really straight, like down with the law kind mm-hmm. of guy. And then when he becomes Two Face, that's where he starts battling with himself. Yeah. So I would have really liked to see that. I think uh, it would have been great, just because I think it would have challenged him as an actor. Because I've not seen him in anything really other than this in Star Wars, unfortunately. Yeah, I do think it would have challenged him as an actor. He actually had it built into his contract to later play Two-Face if they were bring back that character. But then when they went to go film that, they actually um, bought out that part of his contract because they decided to cast someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about the music in this movie? We, we get a score from Danny Elfman, who now, after so many movies and collaborations with 
Tim Burton. He his music is just synonymous with Tim Burton. Um, so, what do you think about the score of this movie? I enjoy the score quite a bit. It really gives it the dark feel mm-hmm. that it deserves. Because without it, I don't know how how dark the movie would seem. Because when you watch this, you're like, oh my gosh, this film is so dark. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you look at the title sequence, um, when they open it, and you're kind of going through this maze that ends up becoming the, the Batman logo. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it just automatically gives you that feel of, this is dark, what, you know, and and you should expect it throughout the entire film right and it's very subtle Mm -hmm. so you don't it doesn't like pound you in the face like this music is making this a dark film right you just like hear it and it soaks in yeah it just pulls you in and you you really don't even know it until until you know you're 10 minutes into the movie um but then the other side the other coin not to be punny with two-faced but the other side of this coin you have a lot of Prince music in this. Now, I am not old enough to, um, what word am I looking for? To appreciate Prince's music. Evidently, he was, he was all the rave back in the 80s. Um, I saw the, the music video he made for this movie. I saw part of it. I did not watch the whole thing because I think I might throw up. (laughs) Um, what did you think about the Prince music? Honestly, before reading that it was Prince's music, I didn't know that it was Prince's music. (laughs) It was just some music from the 80s for me. (laughs) It's weird, but I think it really works. Like, um, you know, I mean, I'm sitting here right now and I'm thinking of the music from the parade in this movie. You know, Mm -hmm. like, it's in my head and, and it's... It's like Danny Elfman's music. When I think of this movie, this is the music I think of. So, out of all the awards that this movie was nominated for, uh, the only one that it really won, uh, besides like People's Choice Awards and stuff like that, the only one that it won was an Academy Award for the Best Art Direction. Now, David, how did you feel about the art direction? This is just fantastic. It's, it's weird because this is a Tim Burton movie. But it, it does not look like a Tim Burton movie. Um, I, I absolutely love the art direction. Um, Gotham feels like Gotham. And, and the reason that is, funny enough, is because after this movie came out, mm-hmm. all the comic book artists go, well, we've got to base Gotham, Gotham off, of, off of Batman, off of the movie. And I love it. It gives... it Like, this movie has so many layers, you know. Um, it's it's got Danny Elfman's music and then the Gotham setting, um, and then you know the 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 acting. There's so many layers, but I almost really think of Gotham City as a character in this movie. Mm-hmm. It plays such a big role, and there is not a scene in the movie where you don't feel like you are living in this world. Mm-hmm. So I, I they totally deserve that award. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, David and I were talking before we started recording, and we both sort of agree that the plot 
in this film <laughs> is kind of it's very loose. There's yeah. not a lot to it, but it's really the art direction in this film that makes it such a good film. Yeah, it's what makes it this um, this nostalgic piece. Um, I can't even remember our buddy uh, Daniel Butcher from. From Welcome to Level Seven, he uh, I posted this on my personal Facebook page, and he <laughs> he he gave a comment because you know I, I posted it and I was like, what what do people think about it? And I'm I'm trying to find it right now. Let's see what he said. Um, he he called it a nostalgic masterpiece, but I think it's this scenery. And the way that Tim Burton directed it and some of the over-the-top acting that Jack Nicholson does, I think that's what makes this, what Daniel said, is a nostalgic masterpiece. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, like the gadgets of the film. Uh, the big one, really, is the, the grapple gun. Mm-hmm. Before this film, Batman didn't have a grapple gun. Did not know that. Yeah. Uh, this was where the grapple gun was introduced, and it, then it was later in, uh, adapted into the comics. Hmm. Can you imagine a Batman without a grapple gun? No. No. That would be really weird. Yeah, so if nothing else, then this movie gave us the grapple gun. And we're definitely showing our youth right here. Because <laughs> I'm sure we've got listeners going, I couldn't remember Batman without the grapple gun. He actually had to build a grappling hook and throw it himself. What? <laughs> <laughs> Another one of the, the big gadgets, obviously, is the Batmobile. Yeah, this is my favorite Batmobile. Out of everything, I like this Batmobile more than the Tumbler. Really? I do. Now tell us why. <sighs> well, this kind of goes back to our Batman Origins episode where I this was the Bat... I mean, like a lot of... Okay, this is the first Batmobile I was introduced to. Mm. Now, my dad didn't read comic books. At the time this movie came out, I was maybe two. I was almost two. Had no concept of Batman. Mm. Um, but this was the Batmobile that I was introduced to. I didn't, I didn't have the stuff from the comics. So, um, I think for me, personally, I'm very, very much kind of like that first whatever that you had... No matter how many others you have after it, mm. the first one's still your favorite. Right. Um, I love the design. I love, I love the shields mm. on this thing. I thought that was the coolest thing when I was a kid. Voice, now, voice activated shields. Yeah. Or... And, I mean, just a voice activated car. You know, like stands there in the middle of the road and stop. You know, and it stops like three inches from his shins. You know, I don't know. This is this will always be my favorite battle. Yeah, I love this Batmobile as well, mainly because, uh, like I said before, my first real introduction to Batman was Batman the Animated Series, mm -hmm. and Batman the Animated Series was heavily influenced by this movie, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the ways you can see that is through the Batmobile. If you look at the Batmobile in this movie and you compare it to the Batmobile in the Animated Series, they're, very, they're not exactly the same, but you can definitely see the relation there. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of the Batmobile, I had a couple problems with this Batmobile. 
now that I've I've grown up, you know, I mean, it's you know, almost 25 years later. Next next year, it will be 25 years since this released and I'm looking at it and I'm going they kind of messed up a little bit with this Batmobile. This Batmobile has guns. Mm-hmm. Machine guns. Now, Batman's it's like Batman's f- first rule of Batman Club is no guns, you know. Um other than, you know, we don't talk about Batman Club. <laughs> but yeah, he's he's anti-gun because of what happened to his parents, but they totally scrap it for this movie because it looks cool to have machine guns on this thing and it does. And then, you know, he uses the Batmobile, even though it's unmanned, he uses the Batmobile to blow up Axis chemicals in this movie, which, so there's bombs, and really, the Batmobile is, it should be like a, a, a defensive vehicle instead of um, an offensive, is that, am I getting those terms correct? I, I think yes. I am. Okay. Um, but. It doesn't matter. I still love this Batmobile. <laughs> yeah, I, I never thought of it that way before you said that. Because actually, Batman does kill a lot of people in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and I'm not being fanboy about this. Like, I don't care. I still enjoy this movie. But but yeah, he does kill a lot of people in this movie. Now let's talk about what could have been in this movie. Yeah. That, um... This movie could have been a whole heck of a lot different. Um, I'll let you go ahead and uh, go through what you've got. Well, one of the big things was in the original script, uh, Dick Grayson was a very large uh, key supporting character in this. Uh, eventually they had stripped, him, uh, stripped that all out of the movie, but originally Robin was going to show up at the end of this, sort of like he does in uh, Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. They actually had uh, Kiefer Sutherland picked out to play Robin. That would have been interesting. Could you imagine Kiefer Sutherland? I think I'd rather have him as Batman. Now? Well, yeah, now, but then, I mean, he was still probably, what? I mean, I want to say... I don't know how old he is, but... Well, he's older than me, I know that. Either way, I couldn't... He was probably our age then, so I guess that would work. I don't know. Nah, I don't know. Anyway, they scrapped that, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, yeah, that would have been really weird. Um, now, if if you've been, if you're friends with me on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that, I don't think I put it on the Facebook page for Geek This Podcast, but I, as soon as David and I talked about doing this series, I went on eBay, I found the Batman Anthology on DVD, and I just got it, like, Saturday, Friday or Saturday, um, before we record this. So I've only had it for a few days. And um, I it's it's eight discs, so each movie has a, a special features disc. And I went and... I went through the disc for the special... Jeez, I can't talk. The special features disc for uh, this movie... And they actually have like a whole storyboarded scene um, with Robin um, in the movie, and it just really just even the way they storyboarded it, it wouldn't have worked in this movie. Mm-hmm. It would have worked better in like Batman Returns. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, there was a lot of people that were um, considered for this role. I mean, as we all know, uh, a lot of the people, a lot of people just in general, didn't think that Michael Keaton would be a good person to play this role as Bruce Wayne or Batman because he had just done, like, Mr. Mom. And and so people were like, I don't want this to be a funny movie. I want this to be, you know, a little more serious, a little darker, because that's where comics were starting to go. We had um, Frank Miller's books coming out at that time. Uh, so he, I mean, he had a lot of influence on this movie. <clears throat> but here are some of the people that were considered to play Bruce Wayne and Batman. Alec Baldwin, who had done, um, I think he did, what movie was it? The Shadow? Like, forever ago. Um, Jeff Bridges, Emilio Estevez, Matthew Broderick, Simba. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Kevin Costner, Tom Cruise, Michael J. Fox, Harrison Ford, Robert Downey Jr. That would have been, a, that would have just... <sighs> yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe wouldn't have or it'd be really weird for him to play two billionaire playboys. <laughs> um, Kevin Spacey, Patrick Swayze, um, Arnold, Mel Gibson, Charlie Sheen. A lot of people that you're like, okay, I get it, they're big time movie stars. But instead he went with Mr. Mr. Mom. Which brings <laughs> us to the main part of this series, uh, where we compare... The old movies and what we want to take out of those for this future Batman. Now, with with this, with this movie, like David just said, a lot of people were upset when they heard that Michael Keaton was Batman. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. think there were some people oh, about a month ago that were upset that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman. Am I right? Is that who's going to be Batman? Yeah, 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 you're right. yeah. Yeah. So when people found out that Michael Keaton was Batman and Tim Burton was directing it, they're like, "Okay, this is crazy. This is going to be just another campy movie like the 1960s movie, and it's going to be bad." Like, yeah, it's nice. We had that back in the 60s, but this is the 80s. This is right. the late 80s. Right. Like, we want a dark movie. Right. So, in other words, what I'm getting at is people thought it was going to be one thing, terrible, and it turned out to be a pretty good movie. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, what I'm getting at <laughs> is even if you're really upset about Ben Affleck being Batman, just... Just be patient. <laughs> we're writing our letter to Ben Affleck with these episodes. If you were to write him a letter and tell him, I want you to go back to 1989, sir, and take this away from this Batman movie um, as an actor. What would you? What would you tell him to pull out of this movie? First, let's start with what I don't want him to pull out of this movie. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I want him to be able to turn his neck in his suit. Absolutely, which I think they fixed that with the, with Christopher Nolan's Batman movie. So, yes, I, I want you to be able to to fully move around and be flexible. So you don't want him to just be, you know, torso Batman. Right. Okay. What about you? <laughs> 
what I don't want him to take from this movie. Uh, I want him to know when when the love interest in the movie shows up the first time and she asks do you know who Bruce or do you know where I can find Bruce Wayne don't say I don't know be honest yeah that bothered me in this movie I was like seriously you're going to tell this attractive woman I don't know where Bruce Wayne is I don't know who which one he is and then 10 minutes later show up and just be like eh. I made up my mind. I'm Bruce Wayne. And he didn't even, like, have a good explanation as to why he blew her off like that at first. Right. Which goes back to, I think he was just kind of a jerk as Bruce. (laughs) Now I'm starting to agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. Affleck, what would I want you to actually take from this movie? Um, I don't know. I don't know that I can say take anything from this movie as he's portraying Batman. Yeah, as for Michael Keaton's Michael Keaton's persona as Batman, I don't know if if I really want him to take anything sp- specific <laughs> from Michael Keaton as much as just the feel of this Batman. I do like how dark this Batman movie is. Yeah. And I don't think that has as much to do from Michael Keaton mm-hmm. as Tim Burton. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think this really started the trend of making superhero movies more relatable um, and darker. Um, because, I mean, you, you kind of see the trend through, all, especially the Batman movies, um, this one and the next one are especially dark. And then once you get to the Nolan trilogy, um, they're dark still. Um, I don't think that that trend is just going to change within the next, you know, I mean, they've got to start shooting the new movie soon because it releases in 2015. But um, I can, I can almost guarantee you they're going to keep the, the darkness, but there's something about this movie and I don't know if it's the way Gotham feels for me. Mm-hmm. I th- I'm thinking that's what it is. But um, there's something about this movie. It's it's a different kind of dark. You know, I mean, it's I mean, visibly it is a dark movie. I mean, there are what two scenes that are shot in the daylight yeah. in this movie. For me to watch this movie all the way through, I actually had to turn the brightness up on my TV (laughs) because I was squinting at some points Oh yeah, because it was so dark. So I would definitely love to see Zack Snyder um, bring, I mean, I would love to see him bring Gotham to life, but make it feel like this movie does. Which we don't really know anything yet about the Superman Batman movie if it's going to be taking place in Gotham or if it's going to be in Metropolis or what they're going to do with this so if he gets a chance to portray Gotham then that's what he should do if not then the next guy definitely do it that way right Uh, uh, one little piece of trivia since we we are from the grand old state of Indiana that's right 
the flag of Gotham City in this movie actually very closely resembled the state flag of Indiana. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the flag was like Gotham State. If I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look at it again, but I think it said Gotham State on it. Hmm. Little themes. I don't know. Except it was like a black and gold flag, I think. Kind of. Yeah, I didn't notice it until I started reading a little trivia. And yeah. then I went and looked up a photo and I was like, huh. Yeah. That's our flag. I feel honored. Okay, I do have to ask this question. What is your favorite Joker line in this movie? Because he's got a, he's got some good ones. David, I think my favorite Joker line is uh, when the Joker says, I've recently had a tragedy in my life. Alicia threw herself out a window. <laughs> but you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Right. Right. Yeah, he's got some good ones. Uh, my favorite, as I wrinkle paper, um, my my favorite thing is Joker um, is sitting in the the room with Bob, Bob the Goon, um, his his right hand man, and as much as I want to say that it's the you're my number one guy line. I love that line, but it's not my favorite. My favorite thing is when he turns to Bob and he says, what kind of a world do we live in when a man dresses up as a bat? You know, um, I, can't, I don't even remember the full line. It's awesome that I don't remember that, and it's my favorite. But it's just kind of like, dude, you look like a freaking clown, and you're <laughs> worried about a dude that dresses up as a bat? You know, that that's just great. So... Which, actually, when you look at this movie, we were talking earlier about how it's mainly about the Joker. The The plot of this movie is really two freaks against each other. One who's looking out for the greater good, and one who obviously is looking out for his own interests. Right. Uh, but, I mean, this this guy over here fell into some chemicals and burned up his face, so now he's this mass murderer called the Joker. Mm-hmm. This guy over here, his family was killed, so now he dresses up like a bat. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah. And, I mean, going into this, and I know we were just kind of winding down. You thought we were you done. You thought we were done. But we're not. We're not. <laughs> Wait, there's more! Um, the, the thing about this movie that we really didn't talk about, and I wanted to, um, just looking at my notes again, is there's a part in this movie where... Just to quote the line, I made you, you made me, you know. Um, so it's like, uh, it's really weird how in this movie, they basically say, Jack Napier killed Batman's parents, mm-hmm. you know. Which totally goes against comic books, but honestly, for the longest time, I believed that. I thought that that was the origin of the Joker, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but in fact, it was Joe Chill that... That did it, but um, yeah. I growing up, I almost, I always thought that. Mm-hmm. Oh, so the the Joker killed Batman's parents, and that's and, why there's this constant conflict. And then Batman created the Joker, right? Which, uh, for those of you who don't read comics, or even if you do, and you're a Marvel boy like me, <laughs> um, the Joker has never had a firm, uh, a firm origin story. 
Like, he doesn't even have a real name in the comics. Yeah. He's just the Joker. Yeah. I mean, they... I think I've talked about this before, but in The Killing Joke, um, he he kind of tells this story, I believe, to Commissioner Gordon um, about who he is. And, you know, his name is Jack. Um, and, you know, the, the chemicals and all this other stuff. Um, but then after he gets on telling the story, he's like... Or at least I think that's how that goes. I like my... You know, if I'm going to have um, a backstory, I wanted to have multiple choices, you know. And it's like, you still don't know. But I, I thought this was really interesting and just funny how it, you know, affected us as um, as fans of Batman growing up. So can we just go ahead and talk about this this insane, stupid news that came this, out in the past week? This non-news? Yeah, this what? bull junk, whatever you want to call it. Okay, so I, I'm mad about it. I'm really mad. There was a photo that came out uh, this past week that had uh, Justin Bieber holding a supposed script for Superman versus Batman with uh, the like quotation under it that said like hashtag Robin. I see. I didn't actually see the actual Instagram post. I saw when you shared it. And that was enough for me. I was like, nope, this is not... I knew automatically that it was not real. Um, I was pretty sure when I saw it that it wasn't real, but I don't count anything out anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean... You, ben Affleck is Batman. Right, right. We all were like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. Oh, wait, two days later, he is. Yeah, I, I knew it, but then at the same time, I'm like... If this is the case, I'm done. I'm walking away. Batman, you've lost my money. You know. Well, see, <laughs> and, and I heard a lot of people saying that same thing. But for me, I mean, I would still watch it because it is a superhero film, and I was a I was a big fan of Man of Steel, and this is actually a Superman movie with Batman in it. Yeah. So I would still watch it. And it, honestly, it didn't even make sense to me why in the world Robin would even show up in this movie. Now watch us be surprised in 2015 and be like, oh yeah, Robin was in this movie. I don't know. But needless to say, it was fake news. <laughs> uh, it turns out he was filming a video with Funny or Die. Yeah. And he just posted it to do exactly what he did. Uh, make a lot of fanboys angry. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, thankfully it Right. It's over now. Right. Um, and uh, before we head out, uh, something I'm going to try and keep doing, I just want to tell you guys about um, our, just ways that you guys can sponsor us. Um, you know, it's always been our goal, and um, we try to make a point of not trying to get you guys to just dig in your pockets and pull out cash and throw it at us. Um, the podcast. But if you want to do that, <laughs> you, you sure can. Absolutely. Um, but the podcast, I mean, we are functioning um, well. I mean, we're, we're, we're starting to get on track and everything. Um, but if you want to make a donation to the podcast, there is a donate, a PayPal donate button on the front page of the website at geekthispodcast.com. Um, you can also go to our sponsors page 
and and there's there's a few um, affiliates that I've signed us up for um, that you know they're they could be of interest to you. Um, SuperheroStuff.com, Audible.com, which we talk about a lot here because I love it. Um, uh, Domain.com, and then we just got a new one with LootCrate.com, and that's L-O-O-T-C-R-A-T-E. Um, it's really cool. Uh, by the end of this month, um, either I, by myself, or David and I together, we are going to um, unbox this baby and show you what's in it. Uh, basically, to explain what Loot Crate is, uh, for tw uh, around $20 a month, they send you a box of geeky goodies. Um, but really, the best way to explain it. And um, the amount of stuff that you get in there, um, you you are really getting it um, at a discounted price. I mean, we're talking like little vinyl figurines, um, rare collectible stuff. And uh, I went ahead and I got one. And it should be here um, shortly, and I think it ships on the 20th, so we've got a couple of days um, before it ships. But as soon as we get it, I will make sure that you guys get to see what it's like. But if you want to find out more, you can go to geekthispodcast.com slash loot crate and find out more about it. And if you sign up through that link, um, it throws a little bit of money our way, and we can kind of expand what we're doing here because there's a lot more that um, I think that we both want to do for this podcast. So that's my that's my spiel for for this episode. Now if we would love it if you were to go click on any of those links if for some reason you don't want to or you feel it's too time consuming or something like that just go on like iTunes and uh, rate us. Um, just little things like that mm -hmm. uh, help us get more uh, more publicity. It it knocks us up higher in like the search results with the more ratings that we get. Uh, so go on there. You can give us a star rating and then type little comments about how you think we're doing. Just do something like that. Yep. Uh, um, tell your friends about us. Yes, word of mouth is fantastic. And like I said, you know, it's not about money, um, but you know, money does help things run a little smoother. Yes, it does. So, um, but we uh, we thank you guys um, so much for listening to these episodes, listening to this one, hear us babble on, and um, I'm sure David will do a great job editing this so we don't ramble too much. Yes, wh whatever the length of this episode is, it was probably twice as long before <laughs> you heard it. That's right. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. All right, see you guys next time. <laughs>